Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. As we're enjoying the last fleeting bits of warmth yeah. uh, as our kind of... Indian summer turns into winter, especially for those of us it's in the like Midwest. It's like 80 degrees here today in the Twin Cities, which is insane. Yeah, we figured that this would probably be the last time for a while that we could do this topic that we're really excited to return to. Yeah, we're really <laughs> excited to return to today. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. This is the second time on the podcast we've focused on this type of video game music. Today's episode's called Back on the Water. This is the second time we're focusing on water and underwater. VGM. Uh, The first time we did it was an episode called Under the Sea, and I would say that most of the examples on that episode were what you would expect, classic, almost textbook, stereotypical water VGM. Uh, With this playlist, there are maybe a couple examples of that, but I I would say that most of these tracks go beyond what you might expect the vibe of a water track to be, and so we're actually going to get a few different vibes. I would say maybe half of the playlist is very well-known, sometimes classic water themes and then there's also some today that are a little more uh, obscure that you may not have heard before what's fun about a topic like today's is that really it's just an excuse to play some good music some old familiar favorites and some new things it's such a broad topic because really i mean you know 75 percent of the earth is covered in water Mm -hmm. so i mean most games that even just games limited to being on earth like almost every game interacts with water in some way. And in retro VGM, the, there kind of was this trope of like a swimming level, an underwater level. Obviously, Super Mario Brothers made that such a popular thing. But what's interesting is, and I think we talked about this last time, but uh, in the history of music, water is something that uh, musically has been expressed in so many interesting ways in terms of tone painting. Mm -hmm. I think about composers like Debussy, who used to try to have these really flowing, fluid arpeggios to try to mimic the sound of water. I think that tradition carries over to a lot of water VGM, and we might hear that a couple examples today, but... But we're going to hear also tracks that almost seem ignorant of the fact that it's <laughs> taking place in water. Exactly. And that's what's so fun is it's such a broad topic. It really, um, it, honestly, I imagine if we were to just play all this music without telling you the topic, um, yeah. I'm certain that, I, I don't know, I might not even guess it because they're all exactly. so different and they don't immediately you know, make you think of the same connotation. Well, that adorable track we played in with, that was from Kirby's Adventure, which is a great soundtrack that I was actually led by Hirokazu Ando. Um, that is Orange Ocean. Uh, that came out for the NES, and that's starting us off on our Back on the Water episode. Let's move on to another absolute classic. Uh, this is from Donkey Kong Country 2. It's Lock Jaws Saga. Now, if I'm not mistaken, on our first water-themed episode, we played Aquatic Ambience from Donkey Kong Country 1. So it's only fitting that we're playing the, the main water theme, I guess, from the second game. This is composed by David Wise. Let's check it out.
You guys are listening to Lock Jaws Saga. This is from DKC2 for the Super Nintendo, of course, composed by David Wise. Uh, yeah, this is, I thought it was a strong way to start out the episode, giving you a different vibe of what you typically expect for underwater themes. Now, this is a classic. This is a very popular underwater track, but it's not the vibe that he established in Aquatic Ambience. This is a lot more tense and scary and ominous here. Yeah, I think what's really fun about the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack is that it's thematically consistent. And by thematic, I don't mean like melodic motifs or a melody theme. I mean uh, emotional themes emotional, or yeah. stylistic themes. The whole game is sort of in the idiom of this swashbuckling pirate adventure. So what I love is as eclectic as the music gets, for the most part, there's always some you know foot in the water no pun intended, to the style of that pirate swashbuckling sound. And that's absolutely it's filmic what he's going too. for So there's here. some cinematic uh, nods here and there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's like an orchestral element about it. But yeah. the other cool thing about this piece of music, and I think in particular how it works in the game, is the scene that it's scoring is actually kind of creepy. It's very dark under the water. It's very threatening. It yep. conjures up, the music conjures up a different emotion, but I think it was probably influenced from the aesthetics of the level. I also think because it doesn't have some of those rippling, flowing, you know, with aquatic ambiance, a lot of the synths have that sort of low frequency hum pad that feel like you're in the vast ocean. And mm-hmm. you also have those morphing kind of sounds. Well, it's also doesn't really have time takes to do its that. Time more. It's more relaxing and, and that fits the actual stages from the first game where right. this stage, at least the first one, is, you know, getting you right into the action. And it's, but since he treacherous but because he's not able to do some of those same effects because of the style of the level i think it's Mm -hmm. interesting how he incorporates the kind of water sound effects into the bed of the track as like a background element that's not the last time he does that in this game it's always really effective when he incorporates the sound effects okay uh let's move on to a track we've never played on this podcast before this is from rocket night adventures for the genesis uh, a few different composers worked on this, but this particular piece is credited to Aki Hata. This is stage 1-2. Now, this first stage of the game is divided into two different sections, and this second part of it uh, takes place uh, around water. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Stage 1-2 from Rocket Knight Adventures, composed by Akihata. This is for the Genesis, and this part of the stage takes place around water. I think you're kind of flying just above water. We should mention that 
as broad as this topic is, we're making it even broader because we're not just limiting to underwater music. This is stages that are either around water, underwater, you know, kind of swimming on top of water, maybe in this case flying on top of the water. Sometimes maybe even just exploring an area that's right next to the water. So there's a lot of different ways that games can do this. Uh, This is a good example of what I was talking about at the top of the episode. I wouldn't even know if I was playing this track that this is a water episode. I mean, it doesn't really have much to do with that kind of stereotypical water vibe. I think the only thing is the synth sound the has the, the a type of kind of decay to it that there's it somehow fits with like skimming above the water. There's something it does ripply fit. about it. Uh, but yeah, it might be a hard thing to guess without being given that context. But I do think it really mm-hmm. works well, especially the um, arrangement. We talked on the Mighty Switch Force episode about how Jake Kaufman kind of so brilliantly structures the space of his arrangement. So there's always something interesting to look at. This is a very simple arrangement, but I think it does a good job of contrasting almost painting you know if you imagine kind of like uh flying above the water you know the the yeah you might go in the water elements. too i can't remember i was watching a little bit of footage of this part yeah no it's a really exciting piece of music and it's another one that has a little bit of that cinematic quality wouldn't you say well yeah and it sort of seems like the higher synth elements represent the kind of soaring gallant quality and that lower yeah. synth represents kind of the water beneath both kind of musically pitch wise and timbre wise that's the most kind of wet sounding thing and the other thing is bright i i kind of like that um, using the arrangement to depict the actual like landscape in the game. Me too. Well, let's move on to uh, a really awesome track. This is from a game called Fury of the Furries for the Amiga. This is composed by Frederick Mote, and this piece of music is Lagoon. And I think it is a classic water track. Not that it has those earmarks of stereotypical water VGM, but it has the right vibe. It's a very chilled out vibe that takes its time. Let's check out Lagoon from Fury of the Furries. You guys are listening to Lagoon 
from Fury of the Furries, the Amiga version by Frederick Mote. And this is, oh my God, it's so groovy. This is a masterful setup. It's a masterful arrangement, setting up the vibe, setting up those initial ideas. And then when the beat comes in, it feels so good. He waits for the snare and then finally the snare comes in that backbeat it's it's just such a payoff i love how the track slowly builds kind of reminds me of uh, an approach like david wise obviously uh, frederick has a different style clearly than, than dave does but you know definitely something in common this is such a good track yeah, it's really cool. It kind of splits the difference between some of the elements we were talking about, about being kind of explicitly aquatic, but also yeah. kind of just having its own natural musical energy that it's It's following. just a good track. It, in terms of, you know, typical video game music styles, this sounds a lot like an arcade track in the fact that mm-hmm. it's kind of not super short and loopable, and it takes it's time to sort of evolve. It's like a lot of yeah. other, you know, non-video game electronic music where it's a, a lot about evolutions and changes of sound over time. But I also think this chord progression is really sort of soothing and fits the aquatic I love how vibe. stagnant it is. You know what I mean? It's very grounded. It doesn't really move too much. Um, and it feel, there's, a, there's an endless quality that it does give. Totally. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a good track. Good job, Frederick. Let's move on to the GameCube. I love looking at the systems here. We had NES, SNES, Genesis, Amiga, GameCube. Okay, cool. This is a classic. Uh, We have to play something from the Zelda series. We're actually playing two Zelda tracks today, and it's pretty wild that both of these weren't featured on our first Water episode. This is The Great Sea from The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. This particular piece was composed by Kenta Nagata. Let's check it out. You guys are listening to The Great Sea from Wind Waker by Kenta Nagata. This came out for the GameCube, and this is one of the most important themes in the game. It really makes you feel like you are an adventurer (laughs) sailing the sea. Uh, Music has such a big role in a game like Zelda, uh, a game that is all about exploration um, and your connection to this world and to these characters and you know, you could you could play this track for 10, 20 minutes. You're not going to get sick of it. You're going to feel so empowered and excited 
This is a great piece. Yeah, there's so much to love about it. When you play through Wind Waker, this is the piece of music you hear the most. And it's quite long in much like what Koji Kondo did with the Hyrule Field theme in Ocarina. It evolves to fit the environment. In this case, yeah, it's, it's like less the Hyrule about, Field theme of this game. <laughs> yeah, but it's less about um, different regions of the map and more to do with like what's happening with the weather. So when it starts to get sure. rainy and wet and thunderstormy, the music starts to take a turn for being more dissonant. Uh, depending on what enemies are kind of attacking you, mm-hmm. the music can sort of adjust and get a little creepier sounding, but still with that same vamp. So it's a great technique. Something that I always think is so effective about this piece of music in terms of how it supports the gameplay. You have that driving rhythmic ostinato that's very seafaring that sort of communicates the motion, <laughs> yeah. the perpetual movement, yet those melodic lines that are imitated are so slow because really your experience when playing the game, these are not the action-oriented sections. These are the mm-hmm. sections where you're essentially just sitting there waiting, traveling from island to island. So I think the music yeah. does a good job of having that motion, but also that stasis, those long held tones communicate kind of like in terms of the gameplay there's a calming um, nature yeah it's like the wind is in your face but link isn't running he isn't fighting he isn't doing his sort of combat so to speak Mm -hmm. it's it's more um kind of yeah you're meant to almost enjoy these moments i think nagata did a masterful job of fitting these sections of the game i mean it's something that could very well be annoying and obnoxious if it wasn't scored right right Uh, and like i said i mean i think a lot of the enjoyment of these sections is this music i mean it just makes you feel so excited and just so positive so really great job nagata-san that's a good track let's move on to a pretty obscure one Uh, one that I don't think we've necessarily played on the podcast. You know, if you divide the playlist into the classics and then the the others, this would be the other. This is from Spanky's Quest for the Super Nintendo. Uh, This is composed by Kyohai Sada and Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. Let's take a listen to Underwater. You guys are listening to Underwater from Spanky's Quest. This is composed by Sada in Iwatsuki for the Super Nintendo. And this is one of the examples I was mentioning before where it almost feels ignorant or unaware of, uh, you know, the context, the fact that this is an underwater. It's called Underwater, but you would never know ba- based on the track. It's just a funky uh, piece of VGM. Um, I do think there are some of the implementation things that do convey water, like the use of that SNES reverb on some of those sounds where it's this really long decay. And there's even times when it kind of feels like a splash sound. So I think there's some of that happening, but overall, I mean, it's just a funky good time. 
totally a funky good time. My favorite part is when we get to that yeah bum 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 bum. That really Great reminds melody. me so of, catchy. Uh, what's that Michael Jackson It's on Thriller, right? Yeah, it, it, Baby it's Be Mine. Offbeats. I think it's Baby oh, Be Baby Mine. Be yeah. Mine. That's such a good song. One of my favorites on that album. Yeah. Yeah, it I has love that, that MJ kind of, vibe. But yeah, that's what's so great about sort of video game music and some pop music, especially back in the 80s, is that there it's this way of um, all the pitches are so striking and it's kind of an yeah. angular melody. Each note is kind of a big it's a leap, wonderful but they're melody. all such colorful tones that it makes it really memorable. I think that's a really f- effective way of writing. Yeah, um, I wanted to give a shout out. Like this track is great and it's funky and it's fun, but there's a lot of similar type of Super Nintendo music uh, in this era. And the reason why this made the playlist is that melody. I thought that melody was a standout. Yeah, I agree. I also like the sort of cheesy synth tones and everything. It just kind of, yeah. um, I, I love when they're sampling synths on the SNES because it's like an <laughs> yeah. even more compressed primitive sound, but there's like, it's very there's something charming. so charming about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I, the SNES I think is maybe my favorite sounding console i just i think it's so charming I'm coming around to having that same opinion man the more, the more time i spend making SES music and obviously listening god it's so charming unending because you can kind of do anything on it i mean because like it's technically true. you could just sample 8-bit square waves and make like you know 8-bit sounding stuff yeah i love that combination there's so much FM. there's so much actual vgm that has that combination where you know an element uh you know one of the channels right. is that kind of psg or nintendo frequently sounding they, sample. they sample like a yamaha fm kind of arcade yeah. bass sound or different things but then they can put their kind of so convolution reverb effect on it well, let's move on to uh, a title that as soon as I see this, I always think of Carlos. This is one of Carlos's very favorite games, I know. This is La Mulana, which came out for the PC. It's kind of a game that pays homage to MSX-era games. Uh, this track was composed by Horiyu Samejima, and this is called Curse of Iron Pipe. So cool. You guys listening to Curse of Iron Pipe from La Mulana for the PC, composed by Sami Jima. 
And this, like I said, this game is kind of a throwback to MSX games, and musically, it feels so Konami to me. That might be one reason why Carlos loves this. I remember that he included a piece, I don't know if it was this um, or a different track from this game, in his favorites episode that he did with us. And so I know that he really loves this game and the score. This is a cool track. Yeah, totally. I love some of the chords here. I love the rhythms. There's something so incredibly cheesy and delightful about it. It's just like such a, I don't know, assimilation of so much classic kind of Japanese VGM musical instincts. The rhythms, the groove, the kinds of chords, the melody, and just the the timbres, the sounds here. It's absolutely delightful. I mean, I think even if Carlos didn't love this game, I think he'd love this piece of music. Because it's just oh, yeah. sort of, um, it's such a love letter to. It feels so all that Konami, though, doesn't it? Don't you think Absolutely. it does? Absolutely. Yeah, there's something about um, landing down on the nine. Yeah, for you sure. Know, that particular phrase. And yeah, it's just, it's classic with a capital K. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, if that track has a little bit of uh, too much darkness for you, this is going to be a good palate cleanser. It's the brightest, most positive track on the playlist, in my opinion. This is from Atelier Shali, Alchemists of the Dusk Sea. This track was composed by our boy Hayato Asano, one of our favorite composers on this podcast. This is Alchemist on a Ship. Let's check it out. God, this is adorable. You guys are listening to Alchemist on a Ship from Atelier Shali, composed by Hayato Asano, my favorite composer in the series, for sure. This came out for the PS3, and you know it's an Atelier track uh, because it's so folky, it's so happy and innocent. You have so many different flute sounds. You have whistles and flutes and pan flutes. You have the accordion, the acoustic guitar, the hand percussion. Um, I love how much folk elements there are in this series, but it, it compositionally it's so Japanese and poppy and yes, cheesy, but just delightful. I love this. Yeah, it, it is just delightful. Yeah, the, the sounds here are not anything that are going to impress, but the composition is. It's so yeah. lovely, and it uh, it sounds like a Nintendo score in that it's relying on melody 
and the the instruments for color for a very characteristic sound so going from something like pan flute to like mandolin are Mm -hmm. very drastic colors and the music is kind of a caricature of those sounds but that's what makes it so delightful it's not about the fidelity it's not about the subtlety um and you know i I think there are composers that can sort of balance all of those needs but i think i'll always have a place in my heart for kind of really simple unpretentious arrangements that are really relying on the weight of the composition the and by composition i mean just the basic elements of composition melody harmony rhythm um and elemental arranging i guess but it's like those are are simple elements on paper in that i can describe them in three words but they're very difficult elements to write where i think um, so the technical aspects are easier to fool people with kind of showmanship and wizardry when really there's nothing interesting going on under the hood, you know? Well, well, you brought up simplicity, and I think that's a concept that's so important to the music of the Atelier series. There's so much simplicity, even if you just look at this melody, 90% of the melody is just using the pentatonic scale as is a lot of folk music around the world, right? But the moments when he decides to inject some other chords or maybe a little bit more jazzy uh, moments to the pieces of music, that's what makes it feel so interesting. It's it's, it's simple as a starting point, but then he picks and he chooses the, the right times to add just a little bit more tastiness. Heck yeah, man. Such a good track and a nice change of pace. Well, let's move on to uh, the Super Nintendo now. And I think this track splits the difference between the two types of music we were talking about, the ones that are very clearly taking place in the water and have some of those water gimmicks maybe, and then the pieces of music that are almost unaware of that. I think this is right in the center. I think there are some elements of this that are clearly evoking underwater, and then there are some elements that are just trying to fit in the score. This is from Mega Man X2 by the wonderful Yuki Iwai. Let's take a listen to Bubble Crab. Absolutely classic. I love this track. This is Bubble Crab from Mega Man X2. I think it's also known as, uh, what is it, Dangerous Reef? I think it might also be called. This is by Yuki Iwai for the Super Nintendo. And yeah, I think the arpeggio is probably the clearest thing that's evoking that sense of underwater. Uh, the repetitive nature of it, uh, it really does, and the specific note choice, I think it, it fits really well as an underwater stage. But overall, I think this track just is very cohesive with the score. It's just a rocking Mega Man uh, tune. Um, but yeah, I think having it take place underwater, there's something, some emotional element that uh, I think why 
was going for in this track that wouldn't have fit maybe a different stage. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Something that I notice in, uh, not to give things away, but I mean, this is all kind of music that's so classic. Uh, just looking at them, I've never really noticed, but we're playing Bubble Crab from Mega Man yeah. X2, and later on we'll be playing Bubble Man from <laughs> Mega Man 2. No, don't so give it away, Will. Yeah. It, it's yeah, kind of interesting, though, that like in some ways that it almost seems like this game was maybe a little bit of a homage to Mega Man 2, the fact that they have like... Uh, yeah, similar. I I wonder if any of the other robot villains are kind of like have similar names or something. We should look into that. Yeah, that's I never even thought about that. I mean, this playlist I'm lo- staring at in the face, and I still didn't realize that. So uh, let's move on now from the SNES to the NES. Uh, let's play a piece of music by Uematsu. This is from Final Fantasy III. I love this piece. It's one of my favorites of the day. It's called The Boundless Ocean. Let's take a listen. So much love for this piece. I could spend the whole day talking about it. This is The Boundless Ocean from Final Fantasy III. It's an absolutely beautiful and masterful water piece composed by Uematsu. I think it's a perfect showcase of his compositional style, especially in the early days. I think this track is a great showcase for why NES music is so special, because at the end of the day, it's about the notes that you're hearing. And you have this wonderful, what feels to me like a left-hand piano arpeggio and a really gorgeous melody, and that's really all you have for a lot of the piece. And yes, these sounds are clunky and primitive, but the notes that they're playing are so beautiful that it really fires up your imagination. Yeah, I also like the kind of delay that he has is not super long set delay, and there's also that yeah. slight pitch variation, which gives it a slightly more complex It's a watery timbre. sound. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's a lovely arrangement, and the simplicity of it kind of helps it to be perfect. Like, this is a piece of music I do feel is perfect. It's like every note I is agree. precise and fantastic. The other thing that's so impressive, I love the sort of sophisticated modulation that you get into at the end. At first, it just sort of seems like we're getting two spicy chords. You know, we get the mm-hmm. flat two, and then maybe I think then it goes to like the um, flat five major chord, and you think it's going to go through that like circle of fifths kind of progression. Um, but it actually 
doesn't it it kind of modulates in a slightly more complex way and it's one of those things where it's I like love that gosh how are we going to get out of that but he gets back into that loop so effortlessly the other thing we talked about the arrangement which i think evokes water but the, mm-hmm. this is another piece of music where it's more complex than just one emotion because i think the arrangement and the primitive sounds do evoke the feeling that left hand piano and the sounds of that uh delay lead with the pitch but the composition here there's a darkness there's a melancholy there's a heaviness to it the melody keeps so emotional um and i love that there's uh you know he's able to characterize so much here but this is really one of his better melodies i think this is a little bit of a forgotten one of the best nes melodies in the series yeah that is a gorgeous piece of music whoo all right, let's really change things up. The only thing you can do after that is to go to something on the PC-98 that couldn't be more different. Let's do it. This is from a game I found this past week called Rhyme Star. Uh, this was composed by Takeshi Abo. And yes, I did tell you guys that we're going to have some obscure picks today. This is one such pick. Uh, it's called World 7 Coral Reef, again from Rhyme Star for the PC-98. Here we go. That's such a great track. That was World 7 Coral Reef from Rhymestar, which I had never heard of before. It's an awesome soundtrack. For the PC-98, this is composed by Takeshi Abo. Kind of this nice fusion, at times quasi-Latin, piece of music super catchy classic video game music this melody has so much personality and i think it's because Mm -hmm. of the rhythms the the mixture of kind of integrated triplets where it's not just a triplet in terms of going da 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 but it's kind of like tying into a quarter note triplet and then you just get Mm -hmm. the second and third part of it. it it gives the rhythm a lot of feeling of almost being performed of being uh, having just a lot of human personality to it yeah and it's also mm-hmm. just it is interesting kind of when it leaps up when it moves it it fits with the syncopation overall this is just like a really impressive uh, arrangement it right it holds up super well it not that sounds it's like a really fallen-y, good for the you know you know bursting with plenty of notes and stuff but this is just one that it's just a sounds solid all arrangement. Hold up. yeah it's a great arrangement it's like a jake kaufman track where everything's in its lane there's lots of dazzling colors to pay attention to yet it's a it great can just fm kind showcase of all hit you in a more pure way too and again that 98 i love the sound of the psg channels mixed with the fm 
Uh, we don't have a lot of FM today. We heard that Genesis track. We heard this, and we're going to move on to one more FM track for the Genesis, and it happens to be this week's track of the week. Couldn't resist this. This is so classic, so near and dear to our hearts. We picked Labyrinth Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog, composed by Masato Nakamura. Let's take a listen to this delightful and classic piece. that doesn't make you smile i love this track it's so nostalgic to me this is labyrinth zone from sonic composed by masato nakamura for the genesis and i feel right about making this track of the week it feels right emotionally because there's almost no other case where this would ever be track of the week it's this little sad little track that sometimes gets forgotten i have heard of some people not liking this track which i think is silly um on our first episode of course instead of this we thought immediately of hydrosity which why wouldn't you so yeah there's something a little forgotten about this that i'm really glad we get to on this episode you know kind of give it the spotlight i also love though i think there's a big effort especially with the first sonic game to set him apart from mario to kind of be a big rival a contender and another fellow platformer and there were certain things in the game you know the loop-de-loops the fast speed the way that the levels are split into acts and stuff Um, and the music the music what i love here is you know when mario goes underwater for the first time it's this beautiful straussian three four waltz kind of thing and when sonic goes underwater uh i think masato nakamura was really smart to try to find some rhythmic way of (laughs) communicating it yeah but he sort of it's all about those offbeats and the particular notes of um, that bass line, yum, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> There's something floating about it. I, I also yes. really like how the bass line implies the notes of the melody. And there's a moment where it lands. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why some people don't like it is it's a really striking sound. There is when some you dissonance have the melody on the third and the bass is also playing the third. It's very um, third heavy, I guess, But I think it's perfect the for the stage. I, yeah. like, I like that you said it was kind of floaty and watery. I think what's so cute about this is I could have seen someone saying, oh yeah, you know, you can do something kind of reggae for this. And yes, there are elements of it, but it's so unique, so Masato Nakamura. It doesn't right. remind me of another outside genre. It just reminds well, me of and his And that's music. the other thing that makes it Sonic, right? Because with the Mario example, yeah. it's like an overt pastiche. But with this, it's something hazy in between. It's almost like he's rhythmically trying to capture the mood and the pacing of the... Um, of the level yet it still needs to be kind of catchy and groovy and funky because it's sonic and so that's what i but love, I love the track. moments of darkness i yeah. love the surprising 
maybe even dissonant chord changes. It's um, also bass le- notes. what a really fantastic tasty. melody. I mean, so many of Masato's melodies are like as pure as pure can be, and they're very sequential. Um, but I just love the way all the elements of the arrangement come together. Yeah, and I particularly love the all the interlocking parts in the chorus. The yep, me too. Oh, it's just the best. You hear all the different lines, and they're all hitting at a different point. Yeah, this is a great, and it's a great Genesis arrangement really outstanding instruments and implementation. All right, let's move on to the Super Famicom. This is from Saiken Densetsu 3, composed by Hiroki Kikuda. Let's play Innocent Sea. beautiful piece of music. This is Innocent Sea from Saiken Densetsu 3 for the Super Famicom, composed by Kikuda. And he did an outstanding job, first I will say, of implementing this, getting getting this sound really to be clearly conveyed on, on the Super Famicom, that really fast, plucked, kind of rolled mandolin sound with the acoustic guitar arpeggios. It, it feels really good. It really captures the vibe. This is a really emotional and beautiful piece. It's one of my absolute favorites from the score. Um, it's a moment when Kikuda is kind of settling down and uh, not quite as off the wall as many times he is and just really focusing on a beautiful melody. He did an outstanding job with this. I really love the attention to detail with the way he arpeggiates the chords. You know, I mean, I think anytime you have that spaced out voicing that's emphasizing the kind of the tenth harmony and then the ninth, it just makes me think of Sheeta's decision from Castle in the Sky. But I love the level of detail. It's it doesn't become like a Casio keyboard arpeggiator where now it's just yeah. playing every chord with the same. There's a really subtle attention to detail. This time it goes up to the third and then back to the fifth and then to the ninth. But then on the next chord, it goes up to the, um, the root and then the, the ninth and well, then another, the third. Another it's thing, kind of interesting. From a compositional level and also an instrument choice, I love when the flute harmonies come in. It's very open and kind of medieval sounding. Yeah. It's a great contrast, timbre-wise, to these plucked string instruments so far. That's all you've heard. And so the openness of that flute harmonically, but also just sound-wise, just really effective. Totally. Yeah, that open sound is really effective. And I like the, the one of the reasons I think the mandolin rolls... Um, feel so natural is that they're not 
to the grid of the track. So there's something yeah. human about that, about mm-hmm. like it's not totally robotic and precise. That's the best way to do rolls. If you if you do a piece on the NES Super Nintendo Genesis and you try to do those kinds of rolls and you make it to the grid, it sounds terrible. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things to do, though, because it's like you can't not be to a grid, for instance, in a tracker. So I remember there was um, you wrote in these roles on your Hero of Legend. Yeah. Speaking of a water Aurelia track. C. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard to do them. I actually had to change to like a triplet grid on mm-hmm. the measure when that came in and then time things differently because otherwise it would just be way too fast or way too yeah. slow and you would hear it as this robotic mechanical thing. Yep. Yeah, no, you did an outstanding job with that. Yeah, I, I've I've noticed that many times when I'm doing any sort of marimba or roll type thing. Like you really have to, you, the best thing you can do is to play it on a MIDI keyboard and just capture that exactly. So in a tracker, it becomes very difficult. All right, folks, let's move on to a Koji Kondo composition. It only feels right that we have one of his today. This is from The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. One of the most classic water themes in all of gaming, and I'm glad we get to include this. It's so calming, so relaxing. Let's take a listen to Zora's Domain. You guys listening to Zoro's Domain, a beautiful piece of music by Koji Kondo. It's nice that we get an N64 track on this playlist. Um, you know, it made me think because now I'm replaying all these classic Mario games on the Switch. I think this piece of music was actually pretty influential for some of the later Mario games. I mean, think of an area like Noki Bay or that underwater exploration level in Noki Bay or even some of the Odyssey water areas. I feel like this piece was probably influential to some of those later Mario composers. But yeah, in any case, it's just a that Odyssey, piece. That Odyssey example yeah. definitely has a similar sound you know, Will, and palette. We just talked about the rolling <laughs> in that, tr- that previous track, but this is another track that features classic classic and really effective rolling sound. Yeah, that steel drum kind of sound. I, I I was kind of admiring Koji's, I guess, mixing and arranging of this track. I, we don't think about that a lot on the N64, but just his use no. of panning. I think one of the things that sells the effect of that steel drum roll is that it's panned ever so slightly to the left, 
which yeah. means that it kind of puts it in a space. So then when we hear that, if it was down the center or the worst case would be like, if you pan the high notes to the right and the low notes to the left, you'd hear them as completely separate events yeah. in time where by putting it slightly in a space we kind of imagine oh there's a steel drum over there and a player and he's over here it. yeah and exactly. also the, his attention to detail like with the velocity he really makes it sound natural and there's lots a lot a little detail in the articulation and something like this obviously the sounds are you know have that kind of general midi very old school quality to them but yep. i think a lot of this music holds up because he put a lot of time and effort into making it be expressive god it's such a gorgeous and relaxing piece of music that would be a great um choice for a playlist of of music to fall asleep to Uh, okay let's move back to the super nintendo to another obscure pick and we have to give a shout out to uh, our longtime fan brandon uh who was the person who actually discovered this i think it was on discord uh, he posted this, and it's such a good track. I've never heard of this game. It's called Artie Lightfoot, and it's composed by people I have heard of, Katsuhiro Hatano and Akiko Hashimoto. Um, this is called Island of Ruins. Let's take a listen. So beautiful. You guys are listening to Island of Ruins from Chrono Trigger. Oops. <laughs> Just kidding. From Artie Lightfoot. Major Chrono vibes, though, in my opinion, on this. 100%. This is composed by Hatano and Hashimoto. I think this is beautiful. It's so exploratory, and it's just great. It sounds like great JRPG music. I don't know if this is a JRPG, but it could totally be. <laughs> Yeah, this is another one. I'm really marveling the detail of that arpeggio. Yeah, those arpeggios, man. That's the water. That's the element that makes you feel like you're submerged. Yeah, it's, it's kind of painting the idea of how bubbles float up to the surface. Little sparkly, you know, we see yep. bubbles in really small and discrete levels, but that's kind of like how all the air gets back up to the top. I, I mean, I, I don't know that that level of detail is always what every composer is thinking of, but I think so much about music comes from this sort of cognitive intuition that we have and uh, yeah. relating. It's something that I've really been learning. Like we had a really cool assignment in my orchestration class back on the first week um, and I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Carl, but like we, what we did is we would look at different paintings, 
like abstract ones, photorealistic ones, and talk about what types of orchestration it made us think of. And hmm. at first you think like what a completely separate activity, but you realize that there's kind of a universal or at least amongst the composers, a genuine sense of kind of like you see something basically red with big fat brush strokes. And it's like, you're thinking kind of brassy biting flutter tonguing on like a trombone or French horn. And that you is see interesting. something that's like smooth. Yeah. It's interesting how it's like certain colors come to the fore. And I do think a lot of composition is that way. It's like you give five composers the same assignment, they'll do it differently, but yeah. they might all have the same instinct when it comes to evoking the feeling of water. And sometimes it's by, you know, other associations. It's, this composer did that, so I'm going to do it. But sometimes I think it's just like almost using music as metaphor, where it's like these things are representing the way they act in real life. So if you're characterizing a bunny hopping, you might have a left hand that goes, yum, button, 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 right. because you're characterizing the leaping nature. There's so well, much was, of that in music. I was particularly excited to share this. One, because it has that classic water vibe, and I think, it, I think it's a really good example of water, VGM. It's just really iconic and classic, but it's also very obscure. It's from a game I've never even heard of before. I think it's a wonderful piece of music that had it been in something like Chrono Trigger, it would have been a really beloved piece that everyone would know. So thanks again, Brandon, for <laughs> uncovering that hidden gem. Well, let's move back to the NES. And Will already gave this away, but that's okay. This is Bubble Man going from a crab to a man here from Mega Man 2, composed by Takashi Tateishi. Sorry, you read that wrong, Carl. It's Bubble Crab Man. <laughs> here we go. banger again reminds me of labyrinth zone i have heard people kind of you know crap a little bit on this track but it is such a great piece of music in its own right i think the triangle channel could be dissected in a breakdown and analysis how he's using one channel to basically have a baseline and an arpeggio and to convey a lot of the water vibes uh in this piece just really really effective writing yeah i mean this is like the epitome of nes music i think everything in mega man 2 is kind of like the only face on the mount rushmore like get rid of the other face it's like just but I mega think man this 2 track that's all is you need a little bit underrated oh it's totally underrated and i think it comes from the fact that most people hate underwater levels they don't yeah. like the sort of gimmick especially in the era of mega man 2. that are used but He does such a wonderful job of characterizing the underwater quality with the particular type of delay that he uses. First of all, the delayed track 
it is quite loud, which most of the times when mm-hmm. they use the second pulse channel for delay, um, it's a lot quieter. But here it also has a washy, slow attack. So that makes it feel especially kind of squishy And then the sounding. vibrato, you can't forget the vibrato too. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing is it's using a square delay for a triangle principle element. So the timbres don't mesh in the same way as if you're using two pulse channels. So it, it really leads to this great washy sound, but it's a really complex sound for the NES. It it has a totally distinct character and it's a kind of thing, like this specific way this is implemented. I've never really heard another composer do that. It's like there's, there's a particular kind of timbre. Now I know Takashi Tateishi himself wasn't implementing it, but he did, you know, write out all the parts and so there's definitely a clear intention with what channel would be doing what parts um, and the idea of kind of pairing the square with the uh, triangle was I think a really brilliant and inspired choice to characterize the underwater nature and again a really colorful and detailed arpeggio to evoke the feeling of bubbles kind of rising up rippling up to the top of the surface yeah, yeah. There, there's there's a kindred spirit that the Labyrinth Zone and Bubble Man have. I think they're in some ways forgotten, silly tracks. Some people think of them that way, but really great compositions in their own right. Well, guys, we have three more tracks on the playlist, and we're ending with a little bit of this Super Nintendo Spotlight All Obscure Games, including the playout, too. This next one, this is a really wonderful piece of music that I'm so glad we get to shine a light on because it definitely deserves it. It's called Atlasia from her. Uh, let's see if I can pronounce this right. Heracles no Aiko four for the super Famicom uh, composed by Shogo Sakai, Saichi Hamada and Masaki Iwasaki. Let's take a listen. It's really beautiful. You guys are listening to Atlasia from Heracles no Aiko 4 for the Super Famicom. A pretty obscure choice. I discovered it this past week. Composed by Sakai, Hamada, and Iwasaki. Really, really beautiful. I think it does a good job of definitely fitting underwater, but just being a beautiful piece of music in its own right, I think there's actually a lot of things that it could fit. Uh, it has the right emotion God, this is good. I agree. Yeah, it's so pretty. And something I've said so many times this episode is the phrase attention to detail. 
but I think it's a common yeah. it needs theme to be said for this in one today's too. episode. There really is a lot of subtlety to the way the various parts interact. And like most of the examples, honestly, it features that sort of left-hand piano harp-esque arpeggio. But uh, I like that it's not just the same exact voicing of every chord. There is a subtle mm-hmm. attention to detail. And then speaking of the chords, we go oh, through this wonderful jazzy sequence that at the beginning feels kind of expected but there are so many little moments of surprise whether it's moments of tension and dissonance it's quite a journey or moments of surprise in the resolution um because i think that's something people forget about you know dissonant chords so much about what makes harmony interesting is tension and resolution but it's not just the tension that can be interesting sometimes the resolution can be interesting when you think you're returning back to you know a static minor chord and now it's a major seven with different instruments voicing it it's like such an unexpected brightening um and there's so much potential in that and um particularly in a piece of video game music that you know is required to be loopable yeah Uh, i really admire when composers take the time to sort of take the music on a journey and find creative ways to modulate back to the original key by embracing it as a as a big moment that you're meant to notice that it's like a climactic moment as opposed to disguising it i mean there's so many different ways of doing it i also love the disguising it technique Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's it's nice to get some more modulation in here what a hidden gem though right for sure The next track we're going to play is from Smart Ball, also for the Super Nintendo, also obscure I've never heard of before. This is funny. The name of this track is Waterworld, which I have to give a shout out. I did consider Waterworld um, the game score, which I love um, for this episode. But uh, yeah, this one we've never played anything from, so I wanted to do this. The composers, this is cool. We have Hirohiku Fukuda, Manabu Saito End, Akira Yamaoka. How fun to get a Yamaoka SNES track. This is a really good piece. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Water World from Smart Ball for the Super Nintendo by Fukuda, Saito, and Yamaoka. I think the main thing that really captures the feeling of water and underwater in this track is the use of delay, multiple channels that are slid back in the arpeggio and in the melody. I think the instrument choice does a good job of that too. And then those kind of synth choral pad instruments that come in also feel very watery. I will say that overall, this might sound weird, but this track really gave me some Super Metroid underwater vibes to it. It's a little bit less dark 
compositionally, but some of the maybe instrument choice and some of the chords uh, kind of reminded me of Super Metroid. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Yeah, there's a quality in the arrangement, the kind of electronic meets organic, and particularly those vocal samples. The composition yeah. here, though, is is a little bit more innocent and has like a diatonic minor quality that feels it honestly reminds me more of like a donkey kong country type of thing which they're very hmm. similar you know that kind of melodic yeah. atmosphere that we talk about um, but yeah this is just really delightful another gem really good yeah i mean ending the day with these three in a row super nintendo gems and what's cool is the playout track guys is kind of the opposite of that uh Heracles track. It's very simple, very traditional, and very short. Doesn't have time to go on this journey. It's just a very short loop, so we're going to end you with that more traditional approach for the Super Nintendo. It's called Temple on the Lake from the game Dragon View by M. Takenaka and N. Komatsu. Those are the, <laughs> the composers we have credited. What a fun episode. Will, what is your overall take uh, on this music that we listened to in the, in the world of water and underwater. Oh, man, I'm really regretting not having a water bottle here next to me, filling my <laughs> mouth with water and just gargling. Oh, <laughs> but what uh, a bad choice. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, this is so much fun. I very hydrated today. I, I, I was actually you. really surprised at how similar all this stuff was for how we teed it up for variation because we weren't necessarily going for something stereotypical. It there was really and it was, wasn't, um, right? There was, but there was so much commonality when it comes to just the idea of like, an arpeggio an arpeggio yeah, that's that true. features yeah, like a, you know true. add nine cluster chord boom boom you know i mean when i said that i was looking at the playlist and i was looking at you know the games right kirby's adventure donkey kong country 2 spanky's quest mega man x2 i mean really diverse types of scores um but yeah i do think that there is something in common that all of these pieces have yeah, I, I I think that's an interesting thing. I think it comes down to some of our shared connotations with water and music and rushing yeah. water. I mean, it's one of the most common and age-old uh, musical kind of tonal colorations that so many composers have tried to express. The feeling yeah. of rushing water, flowing water. Um, yeah. It's it's cool, and it kind of has its own twist in the world of retro game music. Well, thanks for joining us today for this water-themed episode. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we have a Patreon-suggested episode. If you like old-school video game music, you're going to enjoy next week's episode. Uh, all right, I think that's about it. Anything else you got at the end, Will? Yeah, just uh, support our Kickstarter for Nyanru the Super Cat, the game that we've been working on. Um, yep. That's been doing pretty good but you know we definitely still need some more support to meet our goals and uh definitely our stretch goals um and yeah also thank you to all of our uh wonderful patrons at patreon because yes, you help you. to keep the show running and uh, i'm excited to have another patreon episode next week because um it's always a you know nice to remind ourselves you know how lucky we are to have such you know, support from our listeners, not just through their comments and their feedback on Discord and social media, um, but their financial support, honestly. 
And uh, also topics uh, that we wouldn't have thought of on our own. So slightly different perspective too. Yeah. And I was thinking something that might be interesting, you know, we're not going to MAGFest this year, which is sad. And normally we use a lot of the money that we get from Patreon and from any of our game projects. We have a special Mercado fund that we usually yeah. use to pay for plane tickets or equipment and stuff. So since we're not going to MAGFest, I think it would be cool to, I don't know, find something else to do with that this year maybe it's whether mm-hmm. it's buying new equipment for the band or investing in something or paying to shoot a really nice video or something cool uh yeah. we, we obviously don't have to decide now but i think that would be sort of a fun thing so i don't know yeah, maybe if you sure. guys have cool suggestions of some like ambitious around project the time of you'd want us to yeah. tackle um i definitely want to do some kind of zoom big mercado fam hangout session around the time of magfest yes I, yeah i'm missing everybody let's keep for sure. thinking about that absolutely well guys enjoy this track from dragon view for the super nintendo i hope you were relaxed by this water music my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann have a great week everybody peace out mm-hmm.